Connolly, the Artistic Director of Women in Theatre, and I'm very, very pleased to welcome you to the Women in Theatre podcast. In this series, we present monologues from our Women and Work trilogy. Developed from conversations with women of different ages and backgrounds, these pieces we hope respect and celebrate individual human stories about women's working lives. You're about to hear I'm Alright Jack, written by Rochi Rampal and performed by Swad Faris. This piece was part of our 2019 production Primetime, which presented diverse stories of women in retirement age. Listen afterwards to hear me talking with Rochi about the process of writing the monologue. We hope you enjoy. <sighs> Sun's low, lawnmower humming. The faint snip-snip of next-door's secateurs. My Bourneville idyll. <sighs> Wood's gone rough. Paint scratchy, rust creeping up the metal legs. My son Jay tells me it needs going over. A woman's work is never done. I can't be asked. It was a B&Q special, a bog-off deal last year for my 64th birthday. Jay splashed out to cheer me up, he kept the other one, and he takes great pride in messaging me shots of his petite balcony, a flourish of oregano bursting from the window box. He looks mint, Mum. It's the best I can get from him these days. He mainly communicates in emojis and photos of his posh restaurant dinners. But he works hard, so I don't begrudge him a bit of radio silence. There's no job security for them, is there? Supply in the day, bar at night for a bit of cash whilst trying to get in on this insta-influencing rubbish. So he doesn't get back to Brum much. <laughs> he tells me he's got to work on a career that'll see him through to his non-pension 80s, so he's cramming it all in. Imagine. I have to let him off. But I'm busy too. I just don't have that Sunday night, Monday morning feeling anymore. I never really did before I retired anyway. I was one of those annoying live-to-work people. Finance manager. Oh, people pull faces, but there's nothing more satisfying than seeing numbers balance on a beautifully colour-coded spreadsheet. Plus, do that job in a college for music geniuses and you are an important cog in the artful careers of others. Busy and hard work, and I loved it. (laughs) Still, now I'm free and easy busy. I'm my own boss. I read a quote once, the trouble with retirement is that you never get a day off. Monday I swim, Tuesday I volunteer at the hospital, Wednesday yoga, Thursday walking group. I don't stop until Friday when I'm quite glad of a rest. Yes, all go, that's me. Happy, happy, living the dream except when the pool's shut because someone's bundle of joy has let loose their bundle of poo in the water and we have to escape a phantom floater, which is quite often. Or when it's Peppy's day to lead walking group and you're in trouble if you don't bring a flask of tea and a tray baked to share. Or when I don't get to yoga early enough to elbow my way to the back row, and then I'm consigned to the front. 
near Francisco. Also recently retired, also recently bereaved, in his tatty, thinning, lycra shorts, and his predilection to practice his balancing bear right up close to the mirror, whilst looking back at us. Yeah. On paper, I'm having the time of my life. <laughs> Sorry, I shouldn't moan. I mean, look at me. Here I am, Friday night, a free woman. I'm not crawling in traffic fumes, fighting my way home with a stack of work in the back of the car. The entire evening is mine. If I want to watch back-to-back -back Montalbano's on the iPlayer, I can. Believe me, I do. If I want to treat myself to an M&S Chianti lasagna and Parmentier potatoes, I can. And if I want to sit on the phone all evening to D and drink nearly a whole bottle of Pinot Blush to myself, I can. And if I want to meditate on the Turkish delight waft from my roses, I can. Ah, I don't believe it. Look at that. Aphids, millions of them. Where have they come from? Well, that's just brilliant little shits. But honestly, I'm really not moaning. I think I'm busy. I've only got myself to think of. Pat next door, her feet don't touch the floor. Derek stopped work and he vegetated. Doesn't suit him at all. Home's under the hammer in the middle of the day. I mean, that's low. It was quite high flying before. So even though she stopped before him, she's still keeping him going. Yeah, she's officially retired, but she's still grafting. Although he likes to pretend he's the one in charge. Oh, that needs cutting back more. Get the water. I'll dig it here. Give it me. Getting under her feet. She had two years to herself. She absolutely blossomed. You'd see her wandering around her garden in her floaty kimono thingy. Tousled hair, coffee in hand, blissful smile, like she'd just stepped out of Woodstock. I'd be getting ready of a morning, about to dash out, and I'd see her through my bedroom window. A spot of pruning at 8am, barefoot in the grass. <laughs> what a life. I'd imagine myself still in my nighty mid-morning. So... Off I went to TK Maxx on Saturday and got myself my own pretty dressing gown, a Kath Kidson thing with spring birds on. But I didn't realise until I got it home and out of the packet it actually meant for a nine-year-old girl and only came down to my bum. Not quite what I'd pictured. Pat would tell me over the fence, wait until you retire, Mira. I can barely remember what I used to do for a living. I'm in heaven. Then Derek gave up work and that was that. No. I wouldn't want what she's got now. Him fussing and piddling about the house. I've got my freedom. Though, if Rack were still here, she wouldn't be like that anyway. We gave each other space. But no, this is my time. Fill my days with all the things I always dreamed I'd do. Although the evenings do stretch out a bit. Hmm... I've passed. So, these Friday night phone calls with Dee, bloody brilliant. We've been doing it for years. Seven o'clock on the dot. She's up north now, wanted somewhere new and went where the work took her. She's a nurse, so her options are relatively open. We meet on the phone, open a bottle together and we talk. Which is good. Fills up a quiet evening. 
That's an adjustment, isn't it? It'll just take time and it really hasn't been that long. See, when you're working, you're this, you're that, you're the other. And then suddenly you stop being anything. You get home and you're just you. I would not moan to Dee about that, though. She hasn't got the luxury of stopping work yet. Neither of us were allowed our pension at 60 like we'd been promised. We were both born in the 50s, the abandoned decade, and the government moved the goalposts on us, a supposed attempt at equalising things. But we hadn't a clue until I was in the post office one day in the queue behind a woman who's wearing a party hat and smelling a bit boozy. She's giggling and telling the bloke behind the counter that she's come to ceremoniously find out about getting her bus pass because today is her 60th birthday. (laughs) I could hear her saying it's a rites of passage. I wanted to sing to her in the shop. Oh, I'm sorry, says the cashier. You won't get this for another few years. You can't look at her. Well, it's news to her. She doesn't understand, neither did I. They've been sending letters to everyone, he says. Well, not to me, they bloody didn't, she says. Her party hat's gone wonky and her voice is wobbly. I've waited a long time for this. I would have noticed a letter. And that's how I found out. But I was straight on the phone to Dee. Neither of us remembered a letter either. All these women apparently receiving correspondence. How can hundreds of women have missed the same letter and not have known? I don't remember it in the media either. I googled it. Typed in, advertising, campaign, women, retirement, age. (sighs) Two dogs on a beach with speech bubbles telling each other to relax, Babs, you can send off for a leaflet about the changes. Two dogs on a beach telling each other to calm down. When I told Dee, her voice was shaking. I've been banking on this. What have I done wrong? And I'm thinking, at the grand age of 60, she shouldn't be doubting herself. No woman should at any stage of her life, but certainly not at 60. I started working out the shortfall of income from her not being able to retire yet. I had to stop. It was like looking at a car crash. Tens of thousands. Now, I've got a decent works pension, so I'm all right. But she has got no choice. So she ploughs on. And while she does, she's with the WASPy women. Women against state pension inequality. Well, state pension injustice now, because they lost at the High Court, but they are going to keep going. She is off her backside doing campaigns and protests to get something back for what's been taken away. A lifetime of expecting that you're heading for a nice long rest, just like everyone else. They think we don't make waves. This wouldn't happen to men, she's saying. We met for a coffee as she detoured through Digbeth once on her way to London. They all went down on budget day. Thousands of them, whistles, chanting outside Parliament, all stood in the road. They stopped traffic. She's amazing. Where did she get the energy for that? She would give anything to potter around her lawn in a onesie, but she's going to these meetings and on demos while being forced to work long hours and night shifts at this age. She's like a whippet in the starting stalls, ready to race out of there. It was completely different for me. (laughs) I would have kept going. Work saved me. A newly single mum in a new city, so work became my new family. Lovely team, 
who really cared about what they were doing, the variety, creativity, the laughs, cake Fridays, music from the students' rehearsals floating up through the office windows whilst we worked at our computers. And of course, that's where I met Rag. I almost didn't notice my body slowing down, how it gently began to stop me doing what I wanted to do, well, thinking clearly for one, forgetting things and that post-lunch afternoon slump. <laughs> and then I hit 60, and I was given a birthday card with a matey reference to being over the hill. I got asked for advice about golf. I've never even picked up a bloody club. And one office assistant even asked me about the war. And it felt like my colleagues suddenly stopped taking me seriously, willing me to go. Well, it's not unheard of, is it? To be squeezed out once you reach a certain age. Why is that? I've worked so hard. Team awards, big sponsorship deals, largest number of scholarships for students in the history of that college. I know stuff. It was as though people stopped listening to me and were waiting for me to self-certify. I said to Rack, am I really worth everything I thought I was worth? <sighs> Dee usually sends a message when she's late. There'll be a foul mouth story. <laughs> I knew I liked her as soon as I heard her mumbling obscenities about the incompetent head teacher at the school gates. We went for a coffee, discovered we'd both recently left our husbands, and that was that. Friends for life. Turned out our sons hated each other, but we made it our mission to annoy them by becoming best pals. <laughs> Once I'd got that feeling at work, like my days were numbered, all I could think was, well, what if I did leave? I wouldn't mind stopping in bed until 10am on a weekday. All of those times watching Pat next door floating about, hearing her old Joni Mitchells drift through the wall. So, I'm having this existential work crisis. Am I too old? Am I working too hard? Do they want me out? And just as these doubts are really taking root, I go off on a sunny break with the girls from university. We have a riot when we're together. Rack weighs me off at the airport. She holds me, kisses me like I'm setting off round the world, watches me through security. <laughs> She's going to spend the week working on her bike and I'm going to dose up on my vitamin D. Perfect. Then I'm buckled into my seat on the plane, duty-free magazine open at the perfume. I've just opened a mini gin from the trolley and we're jetting through the clouds. And I think... I could get used to this. The others are already at the villa when I arrive. They're already retired and I couldn't get away from work till the Friday. When I walk in, I can see they've already relaxed. There are six of us, this gang. <laughs> when we're together, it's as though we're still freshers on the loose, all in Janet's luxury sun trap in the south of France. It's a rare event that we're in the same place at the same time. Mostly we're flinging messages at each other willy-nilly on WhatsApp. The others haven't been working for a while. Rich husband, comfy savings, dead parents, timely dabbles in stocks, you know. Oh, don't ask me how I fell in with this lucky lot. I barely won more than a pack of Cadbury's fingers on the tombola, but they're wonderful women. 
And even though the jobs we all ended up doing sent us on diverging paths, we hold it together. So, we're having the time of our lives, dipping croissant in hot chocolate for breakfast, toes in the saltwater pool, mooching around olive groves after lunch. I've had a large glass of Cote de Provence and a healthy chunk of ripe cheese, and we're roaring with laughter over some filthy anecdote that Connie has just shared. Our pelvic floors are nearly getting the better of us, and I think again. I could get used to this. I get caught up and giddy. I'm marching upstairs, I'm sitting at the sun-drenched desk looking out of a glittery med. I'm squinting at the screen on my tablet and tapping out my resignation. The little paper aeroplane icon gives a whoosh and the email is gone. That easy. But holidays end. You scrunch up your dirty washing, shove it in your suitcase, pretend it's not really there and deal with it when you get home. There's rain hammering over the car as we drive back down the A45 to Rack's place, like we're driving through a car wash. I remember the wipers were on that stupid high-speed setting that makes it look like they can't catch the rain and they're going to fly off. And Rack's telling me she's ill and there's nothing they can do. She didn't want to ruin my holiday by telling me before I went. She's actually spent the week meeting consultants and having scans. It's moving fast. She's gone within the year. I was two months into my retirement when she went. So quick. You could say I'm lucky because I got to spend that time with her. Look after her. Hold her. What a privilege to get to do that. What have I been working? How do people juggle that? The girls are all there again. Back together again. Somewhere between Nice and Monaco for another holiday. Right now. Probably sitting round that gigantic table outside under the vines and fairy lights. I couldn't have gone. Dee, still stuck in traffic, couldn't leave the ward, tell you in a bit. But I don't doubt it, she will tell me all about it. And she'll say, how are you? I wish I could say I feel like a breeze that's lost its blow. She'll talk. I'm tired, Mira, so tired, the carrot's dangling and it's like it keeps being pulled farther away. I feel for her. I'm tired too. But I'm absolutely not moaning. At least I don't have to fit in my nine-to-five anymore. Why aren't I campaigning with her? Why on earth didn't I go with her on the coach to London that time? Why am I on the end of the phone letting her tell me all about it? Who am I to complain about my free time? No, no. I walked into this. You think it's going to be all woman's hour and lovely lunches. Mum and Dad were changed by their retirements. I think they sort of embraced old age. 
Finishing work was an event back then. Dad actually got a carriage clock and Mum was given a bike. Although I don't think they were trying to tell her anything. They just really made a thing of it in those days. Jobs for life. So you went out with a bang. (laughs) I got a frilly scarf thingy that I'd never wear and some cheap sweet wine that would shrivel your tongue in seconds. Mm, Tasted like cola bottles. Chucked it in the chicken brick to make a casserole. What was I thinking? Coco van. Coco Haribo, more like. Straight in the bin. Well, I've got time to do that now. Experiment. Isn't it funny how quickly you get used to the things you dream of? When I was working, I was always saying I haven't got time. I need time. I wish I had time for this, time for that. Now I've got loads of it. Time to cook, time to lie in, time to do the dusting. Time to rearrange ornaments. Time to mend my socks. Time to look for myself on Google Maps. So much bloody time. Time to think. Dangerous, isn't it? I popped into work the other day to surprise the team. Make a cuppa say hi. The tea bags were in a new tin in a different cupboard. Couldn't find anything, not even my desk. I'd been replaced by a poof, a billy bookcase and a coconut palm for a flexible workspace. I used to feel like the mum of that work family. Now I feel like a visitor in the building. How do I say that to Dee? I don't want to just sum up my day's achievements to her. I don't want to measure my productivity as a way to tell her I'm okay. I want to... I want to talk... I want to say, dear, I'm lost. This isn't what I expected and I'm drifting a bit. I can't get to grips with whether I should be in my dressing gown at noon or whether I should be up and out. I don't want to give the garden chairs a lick of paint because it just doesn't feel as important as it used to. Weekends go by and I haven't talked to a single soul. I get the bus into town just so I can buy a ticket from a real live person. I mean, I'm tired. I know I shouldn't be, but I am. And I know it's not just me. Aren't we all exhausted? Knackered, if you're single. Knackered if you're married. Knackered if you're working. Knackered if you're not. A mother, child-free, healthy, unwell. Fight, fight, fight. On, 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 on we go. Never stopping. Go, go, go. Brave face. Keep going, keep going. Smile and plant your roses and paint your fence and fight your cause and go to the doctors and make your smoothies and check your bank balance and pop to the shops and go to work and help other people and vote smart and watch the news and fight your corner and love your life and just keep going. That's what I want to say.
Hello, love. Got your bottle ready? Good. Where are you? Oh, no. Yeah, it's blazing here. Oh, I'm in the garden. Really lovely. So, bad day then. <laughs> Me? Oh, yeah, you know. Busy, busy. Not the same as always, really, so... Yeah, I'm fine. You've just heard Suad Faras performing I'm Alright Jack. Listen on now to hear me talking with Rochi Rampal, the writer. We talk together about the process of writing the monologue, the kind of things that really struck her. And if you've enjoyed listening to the monologue, don't forget to rate and review the podcast. I'm very pleased to say that I've got Rochi Rampal with me, who's the writer of I'm All Right, Jack. Hiya, Rochi. Hi, Janice. Hiya, darling. <laughs> now, what we're doing is we're talking to the writers about the process of getting involved with prime time and how they found it, writing a monologue and all that stuff. So how did you go about creating your wonderful monologue? How did it go about it? Well, at the very top of the whole process, we all got together and talked about what we thought this work would involve and explore mm -hmm. um, but essentially the kind of heart of the process was about talking to women who are in retirement mm -hmm. or at retirement stage um, <clears throat> and sort of I think for me I've sort of felt my way a bit through that research really yeah. and tried to allow myself to uh, kind of ref consider what what the women were telling me and what mm. what spoke to me in terms of what they were saying so mm. I didn't I didn't really start at the beginning with this is what I want to write about mm. um this this particular subject matter within the kind of banner of retirement and um and I remember in that very first meeting that we had mm. Janice you talked we were talking about expectations yeah. and how and that thing of how the expectation of something is one thing, but the reality is quite often very different. Yeah. Your phrase that you used was this, this, there's this thing about retirement of, of it looking, looking like it's going to be pottering about in your golden mm. garden. That really mm. struck me. Okay. People pottering around in their golden gardens. Mm. And, um, and as, as I spoke to more and more women about their retirement, I started to sort of get the sense that retirement as beautiful as it can be isn't mm. always a most beautiful thing yeah. there are challenges within that yeah. golden time uh even if you've got a really blessed situation like a healthy pension a works pension um if you've got a nice house to live in you know that pe people find challenges whatever so it's interesting so the character that you created myra was on the surface fine yeah. She'd got a house, good house in Bourneville, which if you don't live around Birmingham, is a very nice area. Yeah. She'd got her golden garden. Yeah. She'd got a pension, yep. but she wasn't... She wasn't happy. She was not happy. No. no. And what, what was important about framing it in that way, I think, is I suppose there's just there's stuff going on behind the mask for everybody. 
Mm. Um, so, and, and a lot of the women that I spoke to talked about loss, um, losing loved ones, mm. quite often at the beginning of, of this stage of retirement, which is just devastating. Mm. Because if you're in a partnership and you're looking ahead to your beautiful time off, and then your loved one is taken away from you. I mean, that's just, that's just, that's the, surely the worst kind of dashing of, of, of expectation, people, yeah. yeah. Um, <clears throat> and also, um, I'd been to meet with some, with the WASPy women, Women mm. Against oh, yeah, State Pension yeah. Injustice, Inequality. Yeah. Uh, a, it's a national organisation of campaigning women who, uh, whose state pension age has been changed because they were born in the 50s mm-hmm. and the government has changed the retirement age for women uh, but there's there are campaigning groups all over the country and I went to meet the WASPy women who are based in Birmingham and so I'd gone with that thinking of expectations are very changed yeah. um, when yeah. people enter into retirement and then you know, I was sitting in the Queen's Arms pub in the jewellery quarter with these women who desperately wanted to retire but couldn't. Right. Um, and then I felt a little bit torn, really, because I wanted to write about them all. <laughs> and I didn't really know where, how yeah, to do that. that's right. How do we write about everybody? Yeah. And, and so in I'm All Right, Jack, that's why I thought it would be interesting to have that woman in in her golden garden with everything seemingly beautiful and perfect but but that character is very close to a woman who can't have yeah. what 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 she has um, mm. which is why I wrote um, Mira's friend D as a as a waspy woman brilliant I'm very interested in what you talked about um, about the mask that we all were and yeah. there's that most wonderful speech at the end which is just a great piece of writing thank you and I know that, that you, you had a particular way of writing that. I think it's quite interesting to know how that happened, if you don't mind sharing it. No, not at all. Um, so I think when I'm writing, I, I'm a bit particular in how I approach what I'm going to do. It's sort of how... So I started writing when I was at university in a very academic mm. um, way. So I was essentially taught by my lecturers and tutors how to plan, Hmm. how to write outlines and scene-by-scene lists and that sort of thing. So really to know what I was going to be writing before I started writing it and essentially the hard work is done for you and then all you have to do is... Oh, okay, all right, yeah. ...dot the I's and cross the T's. Um, And I do try to shake that off. (laughs) (laughs) I try to li- free you. myself and liberate myself from that, but I do, I do, I do find that quite hard because, because as a person, I quite like to know what I'm doing. That's right. So it suits <laughs> like you. Where I'm, yeah, it's, in in many ways, it suits me, and it's a safe for me. It's a safe framework and structure mm. to sit down at my blank page, and and have a, a sense of at least where I'm where I need to start. You've done your planning. Yeah, yeah, even if it doesn't kind of turn out that way yeah, and it goes right. off in a different mm. direction, that's fine. So I did that with, that was my approach with the bulk of the monologue. Mm. And that, sorry, this is quite a long back. No, it's good. It's very very interesting because I think it is a very complex thing writing. And I think this is really good. So thanks for sharing. No, no. So the, and obviously the the most important thing about 
our work with women in theatre is about making sure that that, that research that we've done is is so present and there in our yeah. in in the writing so that people feel like they're listening to real people's mm. experiences. Mm. So I had lots of amazing things that people told me about that were sort of inspiring this this monologue and I'd sort of made myself this long plan of all the, this idea is there and that person's experience is going to ref, be reflected there and these people's thoughts are, are in that nugget if you like. And then I got towards, I'd done all that kind of, I don't want to, sort of painting by numbers way, I don't mean that in a kind of derogatory sense. No, that's sense, right, so you've got the shape of it yeah. and then you've got also the kind of, um, the discipline of wanting to reflect the research, so there's yeah. lots of different things going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I got towards the end and I didn't really know where, where, what to do, what, what do I do now, how do I tie all of this up, how mm. do I, how do I say what I still haven't said, which is, this woman, despite all these beautiful opportunities and this sunny garden and this supposedly blessed life, how do I say this just isn't doing it for her and essentially she's lost and isolated. So I just sort of, I just tapped away and I didn't plan it and I just was just writing it really and then I didn't, and then I sort of sat back and looked and was like, oh, that's all right actually. Oh, it's so I lovely. quite like that. And I didn't, that's the one section, that last sort of splurge, that outpouring, which for me is Mira's most honest moment. I didn't rewrite that at all, didn't edit it, I didn't redraft it. Every time I went back to it, I, um, I just really liked it. And that, I mean, actually, for me as a writer, that was a really exciting thing as well. Do you think you've ever written in that kind of way before? Um, that's an interesting question. I think I may have written in that way to a point, but I don't think I've ever looked at my work in that way before because I will, I will always, I've all, I always look at my work and want to rewrite. And if quite often if I go away and come back, I, I can't stand it and I want to change it. And, and obviously, and that's, and I think that's a really important useful yes it is yeah uh ability to be able to edit your work and not think oh wow this first thing i've written is it's absolutely perfect <laughs> yeah because i think true. there's always work to be done there's always yeah, changes is. to be made um but i just didn't have that feeling about that i think because because it yeah it just felt honest and i and i think it sort of for me it reflects what i hope anyone would I th oh, what am I trying to say? I think I just want everyone to see a bit of themselves in that because I don't. And I think everybody does. It's like, so yeah. fantastic. Whether you're retired, whether yeah. you're a retiring woman, a retired yeah. woman, a male student, um, you know, a new mother or father, uh, a working man. You know, hopefully, there's. There's something in that that speaks to everybody, and yeah, certainly, certainly, blooming speaks to and me. It, I would say, and it absolutely spoke to me and loads of people in the audience. I think it's so interesting that you've used all those different sort of um, approaches. 
and we we can use a, a variety of things, aren't we? This almost, yeah. I think it's great that you were taught at university to do it that. But I think once we know the rules, it's quite good to be able to bend them subvert and change them. Yeah, subvert. absolutely. Because out of that comes this wonderful truth, really. And really, that is what you created. So thank you very much. Well, thank you. Thank Thanks you. for having me. I, it's been quite a revelation for me. So. Has it? In yeah, what way? No. Well, what I, what I was saying about about that kind of that approach to writing for me and you know so for me as a as a writer that that was a new experience but but working on this um this particular territory women in retirement women at this point in in life what do you think you'll take out yeah go on if i'm honest perhaps i haven't given people at this age much thought before I'm um, sure that's which I'm a bit true. embarrassed to say, and because uh, I cons- I'd like to consider consider myself quite a kind of thoughtful and thoughtful person who who you know cares about all and sundry, but but um, yeah, I just I don't think women at this point in life are given a lot of airtime and no, and it's that's what's so brilliant that we've been able to do that with um, the work of women in theatre. And these monologues, it seems fitting to me that they finish off with, you know, women in retirement. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you yeah. so much. It's great to talk to you and to work with you. The brilliant Rochi Rampa, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, Janice. Thank you, sweetheart. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you know someone who would benefit and enjoy listening, why not share it with them? Also, rating and reviewing the podcast will help us find more listeners. Time to Shine was written by Rachel Mannering and performed by Janice Connolly. It was directed by Joe Gleave and sound design was by Sam Frankie Fox. And the podcast was recorded at Brum Podcast Studios. The Women in Theatre podcast is funded by Arts Council England, the Sir Barry Jackson Trust, the Feeney Trust, the Cole Charitable Trust and The Space. It was originally part of the stage production produced in association with Birmingham Repertory Theatre. This is a free podcast from Women in Theatre. We're a charity and if you'd like to support the work we do, you can make a donation by visiting our website, womeninthetre.co.uk forward slash supporters. Mm-hmm.